Good afternoon. I'd like to call this meeting of the Law and Legislation Committee to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Council Member Kaplan. Here. Council Member Jennings. Here. We expect Council Member Guerra momentarily and Chair Valenzuela. I am here. Um, Vice Chair Jennings, would you like to do the land acknowledgement and Pledge of Allegiance? Sure. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> uh, please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisian people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains, Miwok, Patwin Winton, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement, appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contribution, and lives. Thank you. Pledge of Allegiance, salute. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Vice Chair Jennings. All right, so for members of public in the room, if you'd like to make public comment, um, I don't see, I always see staff in the room, but in case any of you are curious, you put a, the card in before the item, public comment begins, and then you will be in the queue. Welcome Vice Chair Guerra, or Vice Mayor Guerra. Um, and if you're online, um, please raise your hand at the beginning of the item. We will remove the raised hand feature once public comment begins. So first items up are our consent calendar. To make a brief comment on law and legislation log, you will see we did a little bit of tidying up. There are a couple of notes in there. Um, the cannabis items have been consolidated and expanded upon, so you understand a little bit more about what's coming on cannabis. And then we do have at least two items from council members who are no longer serving on the city council that we are proposing to remove. Um, so does anybody have any questions or comments about the consent calendar? Thank you. Second. All right. We have a move motion and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. And any opposed or abstention? That passes unanimously. And for the record, I have no public comments oh. on the consent calendar. Why, thank you, Madam Clerk. <laughs> Keeping us rolling along. All right, our two discussion items today. The first one, item four, an ordinance relating to our city code relating to the cultivation of cannabis. We have Ms. Davina here to discuss this item. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here today. Um, so I am Davina Smith, and I'm the Cannabis Program Manager for the City of Sacramento in the Office of Cannabis Management. Um, with me, I believe, on the, uh, the remotely on the Zoom call is Lieutenant Rob Young and um, Analyst Lindsay Mendoza from the City's Police Department, as well as um, Audrielle Anderson-White with the City Attorney's Office for any questions that you may have. Um, this item is um, proposing an amendment to Section 8.132 of the City's Code. Um, the intent of this, uh, this, this sort of change is to um, apply the prohibition on um, illegal cultivation um, on vacant land as well as commercial properties um, in addition to residential properties. So for a number of years, of course, we have had prohibitions on cultivating more than six plants um, in a residence. Um, or on a residential property. So this would basically expand that prohibition to vacant properties as well as commercial structures. Um, the um, renumbering um, 
takes account for those additional things. So I know there's a lot of red in our red ink um, section, um, but most of the items are actually preserved. Um, so I think at this point, I will just leave it there and see if there's any questions um, from the commission. Thank you very much, Madam Clerk. Do we have any public comments on this item? Sure, I have no public comments on this item. Awesome. Well, we'll turn it now to the committee. Councilmember Kaplan. Thank you, Chair. Just a couple of questions and clarification. Um, thank you. I wish uh, for addressing some of my comments. Um, as always, as I've mentioned this before, it would have been nice to have a little bit more of a comprehensive report and understanding the difference between residential and commercial and how this um, applied. And if possible, in the future, um, when this comes uh, before us, that if it's just mending one part, um, it would have been helpful for me, and this was my mistake, of seeing all part of subsection 8.132050 uh, in its entirety, as we did with 030 and 040. The mock-up was entirely there, but with 050, it only showed the one portion, so it couldn't be read in its entirety to fully understand what the difference was um, and the changes being made. Um, so one of my questions goes to section three. Um, once I saw the full draft of um, 8.132050 violations and how we're amending, um, I guess, section, I guess, C2, um, would love to understand a little background because 050 is violations of any portion of this chapter, which includes cannabis cultiv cultivation. So if we're amending 030 and 040, um, why we need to specifically call out and amend Section 2 to add um, 030 and, uh, into it uh, as it's relating to the growth of more than six plants, of why how it's already currently written doesn't encompass that. Uh, thank you for that comment. I will um, defer um, response to that to um, the city attorney's office. Good afternoon, Audrey Anderson White on behalf of the city attorney's office. So <clears throat> subsection C2, that's in section three of the ordinance already had 030 in it in the original language. So 030 basically makes the owner liable for illegal cultivation on the property, whether it's a commercial or a residential property. Then 040 makes the cultivator liable. The original language only made it, well, one, there wasn't a violation for a person to illegally cultivate on non-residential property in 8.132B4. So now we're trying to add that in and also make it equally a violation uh, for the number of plants under uh, subsection two. So that's what you have in where it starts with 040A. 040A is cultivation, illegal cultivation on non-residential property. That's the new language. Then 040B2 is, it's the old language, it's just moved. But it's basically the uh, cultivation on residential property. But it's, it's the old language. And, and 
Thank you for that, because reading it by itself, just C2, didn't make any sense without the context of 050. Um, and then I just did get confused because in the write-up it wasn't clear to me that we were that it needed an expansion, that it didn't just apply um, to commercial as well, as, as you looked at it. So just for me as confusion as I'm trying to get up to speed on all of this, which is a lot, um, a little bit more of a thorough uh, write-up as I'm trying to get up to speed um, would be helpful, probably easing some of my anxiety and, and truly understand um, what the intent is. So, so thank you for that. Um, background. I'm I'm okay. Uh, while I was still confused earlier, um, I'm okay with how it's drafted, um, and I so I appreciate that. Um, council members, couple couple of items that I would love to hear your thoughts on, um, and I have a mock up, so you can you can ignore my. I'm gonna pass it around. Uh, section three amendments. I'm okay uh, after our conversation this morning of leaving it as is. But one of the things um, I I would like to see us um, consider um, further amending is on um, section 040, section two, B1. It talks about. Uh, it says all cultivation of cannabis cannabis must take place indoors within a single room of a private residence. Um, we've had these conversations of equity and how cannabis sometimes is potentially overregulated. Uh, we already know you can't, without a permit, um, cultivate more than six plants. What if somebody, for whatever reason, it might not make sense, but wants to cultivate three in one room and three in another? Who are we if they're compliant with the six plants to say you can't do it? Now, understanding, I do understand how uh, mark economy of scale and cultivation works. It doesn't really make sense to do it uh, into more than one room. But who are we to enter into a house if they are complying with all other sections to say you can't have it in more than one room? Can so, I, um, thought process on that? Because we can't say yeah. you can have alcohol in more than one room. You, we don't say you can't have guns locked away in just one room. Um, you can't have just tobacco in one room. Definitely so, good. Yeah. So why would we just say, if somebody is complying with everything else in here, does it have to be limited to just a single room? So um, I'd love, does, has staff seen this yes. um, request amendment? Okay, I'd love to hear um, maybe quick, quickly as, this, as we digest this, what y'all think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm not sure if, if my colleagues um, from the police department on the call would want to respond as well. But I can say that um, this section um, requiring that all cultivation uh, for residential purposes occur in a single room is designed to um, keep the residential nature of the home. A home is intended for people to live in, not to be a cultivation facility. And so this is sort of a compromise where you can preserve one room um, that is sort of locked and inaccessible to any children or, or guests that may enter the home. And that's where you can cultivate your personal uh, supply of cannabis. Um, to allow it in multiple rooms of the house, again, increases the, 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 the possibility of youths and other visitors entering the home and, and coming into contact with cannabis. It increases the potential issues for um, um, uh, problems with um, changes to the electrical system and other things to, to kind of keep the air conditioning, the light system, and other things going. Um, the lights that are used to cultivate cannabis are um, they're hot. 
And so that's one of the reasons why there's so much air conditioning going on in cultivation facilities to, to lower that heat. In a, in a residential facility, you know, you have to make sure that you kind of keep things safe. So if you had a lot of these lights throughout the house, it may be an issue, um, and it may actually require building permit changes. Um, and again, it's the idea of keeping the house a home, right? So that's the, 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 the idea behind it. Can I ask a quick follow-up question on that? Because I guess um, it says in the section, what section is that, eight, seven now? Um, <laughs> since I think there's another change coming our way, um, that the room when it's not occupied must be locked. And I'm assuming that intention is to keep it away from kids or people who shouldn't be coming into the room. That's so I mean, correct. I guess in theory, if I had a three bedroom home and I'm sleeping in a bedroom and I'm like, well, I can lock the door. I mean, I guess I'm trying to figure out like from, are there other policy reasons as long as the other sections of code aren't changed? why they couldn't say, well, I have it in two rooms. Maybe I have limited light in this room, and so I want to put two more in that room, and I have both doors locked when they're mm -hmm. not occupied. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is a decision that, that your committee can make. Right. Um, this is not something that is unusual or unique to Sacramento. I would say most jurisdictions in the state of California have enacted this for personal indoor cultivation. And it's, again, it's primarily to preserve that residential character of the home yeah. um, and not have, you know, three bedrooms of a four-bedroom house um, committed for cultivation. Yeah. Um, I'd love, um, well, I guess, Councilmember Kaplan, did you have any other comments on that? So specifically to that, I think it then kind of comes down to philosophically. Um, we buy a house. Uh, the takings clause says government can't take our house or control certain things. We can't control if people put hate speech in their window. We can't control what the inside of their house looks like as long as it's not a nuisance on the outside. Why are we going this one step further? Because in reality, it doesn't make fiscal sense to have it outside more than one room. But why are we now going this one step further when we talk about equity and control and regulating cannabis more so than, you know, guns are supposed to be locked up. Doesn't mean people do it. Guns are more dangerous than cannabis plants at this point right now. So are we going to say that we should only have guns limited to one room locked up? So, um, well, I know if that's a quote, we can save that question for, I know, I think Council, I think Vice Mayor has an item on gun storage on there, um, to, uh, on the log. So we'll save that debate for that day and time. Um, so I want to make clear too. So you're saying you're not making the suggested change in section three to delete this section. Are you still proposing that you delete section five around not visible from the outside? Yeah, that's second part. So I just, okay. I, I figured we could take it one by okay. one where. Because this I know was much more of a public safety interest of like if people know cannabis is in the house, then they might try to break into the house to steal the cannabis. Um, and I'm seeing enthusiastic nods over here from staff. But so maybe I want to give my colleagues a chance to weigh in here At as least well. on, on this one. And then I'll, I'll want to talk about five okay. separately. Well, why don't we give everybody a chance to, so staff, I'd love to hear your comments here on the deletion of item five. And then maybe we'll start with the vice mayor and see if Councilmember Jennings has anything to add. Well, hold on just a second. I haven't um, said why I want to delete five. Okay, go ahead. So Sorry, I'm just trying to keep in mind that we have a two o'clock council meeting, no, so go ahead, Councilmember totally. Kaplan. Um, on five, again, we don't regulate that guns can't be visible from the street. We don't regulate that alcohol can't be visible from the street. We don't regulate if I am not smart enough and I put my jewelry case in my window that is visible from the street. Hate speech is allowed. Horrible speech is allowed. Showing the amount of money I have in my entertainment system that is visible by the street is allowed. If somebody wants to make a not wise choice to put a cannabis plant visible in their window, why are we regulating that? Because here's the thing, cannabis is now legal. 
We are holding it off as if it is something uber special. Most people would not want it visible, but why are we then taking an extra step of, of regulating people if they are going to make a not smart choice? So I just don't feel like we need to continue to regulate behavior. I understand the public safety point of view that it encourages that, but we have a bigger problem with the illegal grows than we do with somebody who might want to have a pot plant visible from a window. Okay. I appreciate that. I'm going to read um, the changes you're proposing out loud because members of the public haven't seen this, I believe, unless you've posted Correct. it somewhere. Yeah. So, um, so, and then we'll let Davina respond. We'll see if anybody from PD would like to respond on the Zoom, and then we'll go to the members of the committee here. Um, so for the members of the public who cannot see the, the fancy language that we got here in front of us, um, the change number one is in section two, section 8.132.040. Councilmember Kaplan is proposing to delete from B1 the prohibition on it has to be within a single room of a private residence. So within a single room of private residence is struck. So essentially it just reads all cultivation of cannabis must take place indoors or an allowable structure pursuant to the code. And then the next change is that Councilmember Kaplan is proposing deleting in the same section B5, which is the language that says no cannabis at any stage of growth or cultivation and no evidence of, of cultivation occurring at the premises may be visible from outside the room of the private residence or the allowable structure in which cannabis is being cultivated. So those are the two amendments that Councilmember Kaplan has passed out here to the committee. So um, staff would love to hear your points and then we'll go to PD maybe on the call and then we'll go to the committee. So go ahead. Absolutely. So Section 5, again, this is one that you'll find in every single uh, jurisdiction's code regulating indoor cultivation uh, throughout the state. Um, and again, the rationale behind this is it's a public safety concern. There are many, many documented instances of home invasions um, when people think that there's cannabis, they think there's cash. So that a lot of times these things go hand in hand, unfortunately, in our society at this time. So cannabis is not a trackable product. Um, it's a high-value item, and so by taking one cannabis plant, you know, you could, someone could get $1,000, more than $1,000, um, and so that is the impetus for, you know, people wanting to break in and steal. They, if you've got a cannabis plant, you must have money, and so the idea here is to try to um, take that sort of attractive nuisance away and um, conceal it from the public so that um, the house any visitors that might be in, any kids that are there, you know, when mom and dad are at work or, or out grocery shopping, um, aren't impacted by this. Yeah, and I guess the idea would be, I'm new, like say I'm a new person, I'm like, I want to plant a cannabis plant, and so I'm going to go to the city to say, what do I need to do to plant a cannabis plant? And we put this in here to be like, don't put it in a window, because someone's probably going to try to break in and get it, and then PD's going to have to respond, and all this stuff might happen. And so you're saying this is, it's not so much the privacy issue that the council member's raising, it's more or the personal space issue, it's more like very likely your house is going to get broken into and then all these other things are going to happen. Um, sounds like the rationale from staff's perspective. Um, our clerk is saying that there isn't anybody from PD on the call. Um, no. Do you okay. know the name of the individual? Yeah, so it would have been, um, um, yeah, Lieutenant Young, uh, Rob Young, and uh, Robbie, yes. And then Lindsay Mendoza. Okay. <laughs> All right, Robbie, let's see if you join here as a panelist and if you are the right Robbie that we're looking for. Could be a random Robbie. Could be a random Robbie. You're correct. My brother's name is Robbie. Hello, can you hear me okay? There we go. Brother's calling. Yes. Hi, Robbie. Are you the lieutenant we're looking for? I am. Yeah, Great. Sorry about that. I was, I was muted on one screen but was able to join. 
on another. Thank you so much, Lieutenant. We'd love to have you weigh in on these proposed changes, and then we'll go to the committee here. All right. Thank you so much, ma'am. Well, first, I want to say I, I certainly do not disagree with Ms. Kaplan's uh, points and perspective on it, but I will just want to reaffirm um, what was the discussion that just occurred. It is from a public safety standpoint. I think everybody can acknowledge that. And I, like I said, I don't disagree with Ms. what Ms. Kaplan's saying, but I can say that when we first enacted this these ordinances, you know, at, from the beginning, it started because we wanted to figure out a way to bring down part one crimes, which were the part one crimes that we, we were discussing were home invasions and burglaries. And we saw that the majority of these home invasions and burglaries that were taking place were in, in essence because uh, subjects were targeting certain homes that they knew marijuana was being cultivated in. And not only was it damaging the homes themselves and victimizing residents, but it was also bringing that victimiz victimization to neighbors too that didn't have a part of it because there were shootings that were occurring in these neighborhoods. Um, we had cars ramming through garage doors to, to steal these plants. And so from perspective from patrol, you can, you can imagine the, the amount of resources it takes to handle incidents like that. So that's why I believe it's, it's, it's wrote into this ordinance to not show. Now, obviously I don't think it'd be very smart to put your plants in a window. And to Ms. Kaplan's point, I don't think people are hanging, you know, their, their firearms or their, their money in the windows. But for some reason, we have found that people do want to show that they're growing marijuana and it did cause crime to come into those areas, if that makes sense. Okay, very helpful, Lieutenant. Thank you very much. Um, all right, uh, we'll go to the committee here. Uh, Vice Mayor Guerra, would you like to start us off? Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Davina and staff and uh, and, every, and our department for uh, responding to this. Uh, first, um, you know, one, I, I do agree with uh, uh, Councilmember Kaplan's point about maybe bringing the full context uh, since we're, uh, n uh, you know, new members on the council. So maybe giving a little bit of history, like as for some of us that have been on, on this, we you know, intuitively know already from many discussions. So I agree with that aspect of it. But but I will disagree uh, with the the changes here, and uh, and th though I agree with the the fundamental points, the logic behind it, um, the reason we drafted this language had to do with uh, a lot of the home invasions were happening in uh, my council district, in uh, District uh, Eight, uh, and some of it in the old District Seven, um, and then and actually some of it in Northern Thomas, um, but uh, and and a lot of it had to do um, also with the fact that um, while while the state did vote and make this an uh, a, in a uh, the ability to use and sell in the state of California, it also gave local governments the authority to make ordinances and laws that protect the public safety. And we had, you know, the a unfortunately large number of uh, illegal marijuana grow houses. Uh, where multiple rooms were being used. And unfortunately, in some of these homes, the older homes, it was quick and easy to buy an older home in the south area, many of which still had single-pane windows. Um, and even if folks are using them, they, you could start smelling it. So I'd go to my mom's house, and rather than smelling a delicious carne asada in the summer, it came with a, 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 a stickier, smellier kind of a scent, you know, and uh, around the neighborhood. And, and that was unfortunate. Uh, um, and it, it, and so these efforts, are these all of these changes that we've worked on over the past, have helped 
our staff, our code enforcement, our law enforcement, the city attorney justice for neighbors program really go out and tackle the illegal marijuana grow house problem that we had. Uh, fortunately for us, they, many of them left. Uh, unfortunately for other places like Elk Grove, they just went out there and in the unincorporated county who, who didn't have these. So while I understand the fundamental point of, of, uh, of this, uh, it also helps our staff if there is a, uh, you know, to identify where they're, where they're being managed, if they're being counted correctly, because we know that it's six in per residence. So we want to be able to be able to manage that and say this is, this is they've got the appropriate number. Um, and I do want to thank staff for the change that we're here today. Back to the question at hand. Um, the primary issue we had was illegal marijuana in homes. Um, and we did have some illegal marijuana in in the commercial buildings uh, as well, but the big the big public safety challenge we had at homes. Now we see that as we were effective, their warehouses were starting to being used, or other buildings were being used, or strip malls were being used. And so, I think this is a good effort in moving in the right direction to enforce on the illegal market so that the legal market can survive. So, with that, uh, Madam Chair, I'll, I'll go ahead and support and move the the staff recommendations here as they are. Um, uh, you know, because I do think that the, the laws worked in this case, but I don't disagree with your other points. I mean, I think the the reasonings. Exactly, that's that, that's fine, and I and I and, and I appreciate that. And I think what I look like to look at here, while I do, I'm not dogmatic, is what's practically worked. So it's working. So if it's if it, what does it say? If it's, it broke. if it's broke, don't fix it. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix, fix it. it. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Mayor, for that context. Always helpful. I mean, I feel like when I got on this committee and they joked that it was the cannabis committee, I was like, oh, ha-ha, funny. And then I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, we talk about a lot of camp, no worries. Um, but I learned a lot in the last two years, but even I've only been here for two years, so it's really helpful to hear that historic context. Um, Vice Chair Jennings, you are up thank next. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Kaplan, what I love about having a newbie on this commission um, is that um, we get to hear a fresh perspective. And you start asking questions that maybe we should have already been asking, but um, and maybe we did ask, but we haven't looked at it in the way that you're looking at it. And so I appreciate um, what you're doing as far as bringing these points to view to the table. Um, I, I'm in that mindset, and I'm trying to figure out if what we're doing right now is already broken and does it need to be fixed. So I'm in that mindset is like if it's it was put in for a purpose and I wish we could get more of the purpose, you know, from different perspectives, but it was put in from a public safety perspective. That much I do know. Um, and the public safety is not only for the residents in the home where the growing is taking place, but also for the entire neighborhood that's going to be affected when something happens at home invasion or that, that robbery uh, in that home, they're going to be affected as well. So while I understand totally what you're saying as far as guns and alcohol and all those things, and I agree with that, we don't put those kind of restrictions on there, I do think this is a different, this, this product is a little bit different in the way that it grows, the way it smells, the way it goes out to the public, and the nature of people who want it because of the value, the financial value of it. And so... While I totally understand the first point that you made is a single room in a house, and why not just it be the whole house? Why, why limit it to a single room in the house? Um, 
and I understand the answer that was given, trying to keep the residential nature of a home. When you've been to a grow house where the whole home has been turned into a grow house and you see all of the plumbing upset and the air conditioning and heating units and the whole house has been destroyed in order to turn that into a grow house, when you see that, you can understand why they've said, okay, just one room only so that that won't happen to a community and it can keep that community safe. Um, so, you know, I don't disagree with what you're saying. It's just I think the whole goal is to maybe go to the other end of the extreme in order to not allow those extreme situations to happen and affect that home and affect that neighborhood. Uh, and then to your second point, um, uh, the no cannabis at any stage of growth, I believe that's the one, right? Five? Yeah. Um, and evidence of cultivation occurring on the premises may be visible from the outside of the home. And so I think we that one was answered, I thought, pretty well. Home invasions, bur burglaries, if they see it, they're going to try to come into the house, and that's going to put the people in the house at risk, and it's also going to put the neighborhood at, at risk. And so I can kind of understand that as well, even though, like you say, you know, you should be able to do whatever you need to do in your own home. But when you're doing something with a plan of this nature, it does tend to bring people to your home that maybe you didn't invite. Um, so, you know, my question would be, since we imposed these rules and regulations, have things gotten better? Have they stayed the same or have they gotten worse? And that's the question I'll ask you. Have they gotten better? Have they stayed the same or have they gotten worse? I, um, so my understanding from uh, my meetings with the police department and, and perhaps Lieutenant Young can, uh, can go further into depth on this is that the, um, the work that they have done regarding illegal residential cultivation has been very effective. And that's one of the reasons why they're finding it, um, as was mentioned earlier, moving out into warehouses, um, storage facilities, vacant lots that they think they can kind of hide. Um, and so that's why we're, we're, we're finding that we need to expand the ordinance because it has been successful. Um, I know in the reports that the city attorney's office has brought about um, the Justice for Neighbors program, some of the house forfeitures that have gone on to uh, Habitat for Humanity to be repurposed, a grow house repurposed for you know a, a home for a deserving family. So these are some of the wins that we have seen in the city of Sacramento. So I think that this ordinance has been very effective. Um, in regards to residential illegal cultivation, and we're hoping to make it equally effective for illegal commercial cultivation and vacant land con um, uh, co you know, uh, growing. Um, but I don't know if Lieutenant Young has anything to add to that. Yeah, Lieutenant Young, are you still with us? I am. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Yes, I would just echo um, the statement that was just made. Uh, those are correct. We could actually, I'm sure, pull statistics for you if you needed those numbers. But we have seen a de decrease in the part one crimes in the areas where the large amounts of illegal residential marijuana grows were occurring. Obviously, the marijuana compliance team, uh, they worked very diligently and extremely hard in doing a educational style based approach with the uh, with the warning letters and going out and doing compliance checks, hoping that they never have to take the enforcement action. But we all know that occurs at, at, at some point. But the numbers have dramatically decreased. We've seen that through the high user amounts. We've seen that in the decrease of community complaints. And we've seen that in the decrease of calls for service. So it absolutely has had a positive impact. 
Is that it for your comments, guys? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that helps me to make a decision that if it's working, let's continue to build on it. And what is it, what else can we add that can continue to build on that success? Um, you know, the more I look at this, the more, especially on five, the more I know it's important not to show cannabis at any stage of growth to the outside public. Um, and, and, and so I know that that's the case because we don't want people coming into your home to get a plant and then end up taking a life as a result of that. So um, I'm 100% I'm behind uh, no, no, showing no growth at all in any visible place of the home, uh, just from a public safety standpoint. Great. I appreciate your points. Thank you, Vice Chair. Was that a second to the motion or two? I will or? second the motion, okay. absolutely. Great, thank you so much. Um, Councilmember Kaplan, we'll circle back to you and then tie it up. No, and I appreciate the conversation uh, with this committee and why I brought it up. I think it's one of those things, I think Councilmember Jennings, you brought up really good points. So we've got this. I have no data to know besides our lieutenant telling us, not that I don't trust him, but I have nothing in front of me that says, this has happened since 030 and 040 have gone into place. It could be actually other things we've done that have done it, but people are saying this has done it. Because I can tell you these sections aren't going to stop illegal grows. People will come in and get their licenses for six plants, and they will still do a full house grow if they so wish, whether there's enough compliance checks or officers to look at that. None of these sections are going to stop that. And so it, it is a balance that sometimes I look at it. I understand public safety, but... You know, Prop 64 passed. Um, marijuana is becoming more of something normalized. It's how do we balance that without truly um, telling people almost like a toddler, you can and you can't do this, where we have to find that balance. And that's where so if somebody wants to make a really unwise choice of putting it in view, that's their choice knowing there's unintended consequences. In a single room, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to go beyond a single room. But why would we then potentially penalize somebody on a check if they are doing everything right that they can now be subject to um, a, a civil penalties if they're within the six? Because you know that's going to hit our brown and black communities more than anything else. So while I do respect uh, my colleagues, I, I am seeing it as we need to balance a little more and I need data to show that this is actually doing what it needs to be doing. So um, I support you denying uh, my suggestions, but I'll still vote no on this on this one, only for those reasons. Thank you. Um, oh. I, I would just I, also say, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, you're going. Go I, I would just also say that um, with this group being what it is, Law and Ledge, there's an opportunity to always have this conversation. And once you get the data that you need, it would be wise for us to all listen and hear what that data says. And yep. so the opportunity to come back again will present itself. Well, and I appreciate the, the global point of how do we build on prior staff reports? Because I think what we hear from staff is, you know, we were seeing this uptick of home invasion robberies and assaults and, and things going on that were driving, and we, the cause was they wanted that plant, and so we did this, and now we're seeing this happen, and so we're like, cool, that good, now we're going to add this. So some of the narrative that, like, Vice Mayor Garrett brings in from his extensive experience in the southeast area of our city, unfortunately, <laughs> for better or for worse, um, you know, so that we can tell that story a little bit more and show some of that 
that, either qualitative or quantitative evidence of, hey, we did this, and then we saw a reduction in that. And so it seems that there was a, and we, you can never determine causality 100%, but at least some trend of, hey, that seemed to have helped um, so that we have that story as we go forward. But yes, as the council member said, in the end, when we get to the full council, they could decide to, to do it differently and say, you know what, actually, yeah. Um, and, then, and then that'll be the will. But appreciate the dialogue here today. And I know, Vice Mayor, you wanted to add another point here. Uh, yeah, no, I'll just say that I, I have requested, and it's in the work plan for the auditor on to look at illegal cultivation and then our Justice for Neighbors program for that particular purpose because I think we can learn much more. But I'll just say just from on the ground and just watching this um, every single year and how bad it was. I mean, we had we had shootings, we had fatalities, not just from people who robbed a place, but from people defending a home, someone coming in, vigilanteism that occurred as well. Um, un unfortunate, you know, conflict in neighborhoods between different communities and, um, and, be and because of it, all because of, you know, people's want to have this. And so while it may be someone's, uh, you know, cup of herbal tea, it's, uh, it, it's not mine, and the voters did allow for it, but I do think we have to regulate it, and I, I do appreciate the work that's been done. But we'll see what the, when, the, when it comes to the auditor um, in the work plan. It's in the work plan, so, yeah. and I think it starts in um, January 2024. So um, with that, um, um, I appreciate uh, the conversation. and. Yeah, definitely. I think we, I like the evidence-based approach we're using here and really want to thank the staff for all the work I know you did to bring this forward. I know we have a lot more. And the other side to, you know, handling the illegal market is having a profitable legal market and a sustainable legal market. And so I know we're going to have a lot of discussions here about how we make sure we're stamping out illegal cultivation by making the for-profit market more sustainable as well. So thank you. And, and with that, um, Madam Clerk, you want to call the roll? Thank you. Councilmember Kaplan? No. Councilmember Guetta? Aye. Councilmember Jennings? Yes. And Chair Valenzuela? Yes. That passes to Council 3-1. Thank you for the dialogue. We will now move on to our last item for today's agenda, which is the Sacramento Ethics Commission recommendation to modernize our 19-year-old um, lobbyist registration and reporting code, which I learned so much from talking to people about this ordinance. It's fascinating. So, Madam Clerk, I'm going to pass it to you. I think we might have some Ethics Commission members online, hopefully, to talk a little bit about this, but um, take it away. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, our ethics commissioners that did the work on this were not available. Um, awesome. Both of them had work conflicts today. Uh, I can briefly um, present on that. I know you do have a 2 o'clock meeting, so um, if you would like me to introduce it and then you can decide if we want to vote on this or continue it to a following meeting. Um, the ethics commission um, met and made um, five recommendations. So the first was to update the registration thresholds. So they recommended an in-house lobbyist or what we call a business or organization lobbyist um, to take it to 15 hours in a three-month period. It's currently 100 hours. Um, a contract lobbyist to um, $1,500 per a three-month period, and it's currently um, $3,200. Their second recommendation was disclosure of information in lobbying reports, um, and they wanted to increase what data we gathered. Um, they talked about gift limits, compound um, campaign contributions, behested payments made to city officials to include those, and I think those are covered by FPPC reporting now, um, but I believe the Ethics Commission wanted to include that in what lobbyists also report to us. Um, the recommendation number three was make relevant data more accessible to the public, um, and actually last fall we um, stood up a new system that is 
um, I think 112 times better than the previous system, and we're continuing to make um, updates to that system. Um, our vendor NetFile actually um, stood it up for us, um, and so they're then rolling that out to other cities. So, um, the recommendation number four with lobbyist activities to create risk and undue influence, and they're recommending that um, there be um, limited to gifts less than $10 a month to elected officials. We currently have no gift limits prohibited other than the FPPC reporting and the gift limit of $590 a year. Mm -hmm. And then recommendation five um, is to extend the Ethics Commission's scope to cover lobbyist ordinances. Currently, the Commission's authority um, only extends to city elected officials, candidates for city elected office, independent expenditure committees, members of boards and commissions, the city manager, the city clerk, the city attorney, the city treasurer, the city auditor, <laughs> independent budget analyst, and the um, public safety accountability officer. So they were uh, proposing that we extend their scope to cover lobbyists. Um, and that was the three recommendations. Great, thank you so much. So this item, before we go to public comment for the committee, because it's the first time that I know I've seen a motion like this. This is a report from our committee. It came through PMPE committee, and they said, yes, we want to send this on to see what we think. We have a few options in front of us. One, we could send this back to the committee and say we want more information. Two, we could say, hey, city attorney and city clerk, we want you to come back with more information. Three would be to ask the staff to bring back actually draft amendments to the ordinance, red line, so that we can look and consider. And then the fourth would be to say, we don't want to do this at all. Um, so those are our options in front of us for discussion here today. Um, so let's see, Madam Clerk, if we have any public comment. I have no public comment on this item. No public comment on this item. So I will turn it to the committee for discussion. Vice Mayor Guerra. Well, um, first of all, thanks, uh, you know, uh, for some of us, you know, who we've been FPPC filers, some Form 700 for years, for 20 years or whatnot. Uh, you know, it, I think this is, uh, you know, a, in, in a positive direction. But I will say that, uh, what I would like to do is, is have it come back in, um, in, in a form that we can work through it. Um, and, uh, and partly, and the only, here's the only concerns that I do have, is that um, the reporting on it uh, for some of this can become quite you know, difficult to track. And uh, unlike um, both our council offices or, or others, unlike in the legislature where they have you know, 20 staff or whatnot to track their day-to-day -day activity or whatnot. I want to make sure that we're, be, we're, we're also being realistic, you know, so in, in what, what we can and can't do. So I think those are the, the only concerns that I, that I would say is, is let's make sure, in fact, that, you know, I just went with through my other ethics training on the other side, and, and, and some of the, the, the criticisms was like, you know, the, even the, every year the gift limit increases because of inflation, but the individual... Uh, monthly has always been ten dollars, and it and it just doesn't track, right? So it's almost kind of it creates a, a kind of a kind of a conflict, you know, with with folks. So it's like, are you registered? Are you not registered? You're always having to ask, which I think is an important practice. I do that all the time myself, you know. But so I would just say the only thing that I want to make sure that as we're moving forward and that this committee could dial down is what's what's easy to track, right? That's because we just don't have the capacity, like they do at the statewide level. They just have much more folks. So, uh, and then that comes on to the clerk as well. So, yeah. uh, so that's, I would say that's where I, I You're think looking it's, at option three, bring back draft amendments for us to look at. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, and then we have the clerk kind of piece yeah. together and look through, okay, how would this, how would this be implementable? 
Yeah, I will say that as someone who has been a registered lobbyist for the state before, this is, it is onerous, but it is also like what you do, um, you know, and so we know and we track obviously what bills are working on, how, how we're getting paid. So I, I like the consistency because I feel like most of the folks I've met who are lobbyists at the city are also lobbying state work. So I feel like we're setting a little bit of a parallel bar, but we can definitely discuss that a little bit more when it comes back in amendment form. Um, Councilmember Kaplan. Thank you, Chair. Um, I'm in alignment with what's being discussed. I kind of like having it out in written form. When it comes back, one of two of the items, uh, I think you touched on a little bit, Vice Mayor. Um, one, the like the time it will take staff to implement. Like, do we need to now add somebody else to the clerk's office to handle this? Like, what's that fair balance? Um, and then two, what is the cost to implement? Because some of the things that they're asking here. Um, and, you know, we're in the middle of budget season, so I think it's important to look at for us so that we can then weigh it. And one of the things um, that I am open to as we, as we think about this, instead of it being like the $10 per month limit, why don't we just make it the FPPC yearly gift limit? Like, just make it the same, because then it just makes it a little bit easier for, for tracking reporting purposes. We know we can only take up to a certain amount and say lobby and it applies to everybody um, equally but those are the things I would just like to to like see in something we could potentially hash out when it comes back to us in written form yeah a lot can be fixed when like I kept looking for the red line version I'm like where is it I'm like oh that's right that's what we're discussing staff yes. hasn't done that yet got it this new process is super fun yeah I'm like great this is great we got this and um, we're ready I'm um, going um, vice mayor oh no I was gonna say that I, I think this the easier the better like it's like the disclosure Fine. Leave the limits. Let's the disclosures. These caps are that. That uh, I, I think we just got to figure out how to how we make it work here. So I think Mindy, we're, we're going to have our hands full here. But, yeah, it'll be. But it's the first time, so you know. No, I love it. I love it. And I really want to thank the commission. You know, we always talk about our volunteer commissions who are just residents who step forward and say, "Hey, I want to help the city." For I mean, they've been working on this for years, and and all the outside stakeholders that I know weighed in on this. It's just really exciting to see them bring a product to us and say, "Hey, what do you think?" And for the process to be working. Um, Vice Chair, did you have anything you wanted to add? Are you? Okay. I think it's been All right. So we hear, I haven't heard a motion yet on, um, I think they would be moving. Mo motion option. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, motion option three, I guess. Motion option three, second by uh, Councilmember Kaplan. Um, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed abstentions? Measure passes. Great. Um, we are now moving on to committee questions, comments, reports, not on the agenda. No, I, I, I will make one comment, madam. Uh, just because it, it was brought up earlier, but I do would like to, uh, I know it was in the log, but the, uh, the safe gun storage ordinance and uh, just, you know, I, one, there's, there's a bigger national conversation to be had about um, all of the, what's happening with the AR and, and the danger that's posed to not only the public, but to also our public safety officers. But, you know, still, uh, I think the number of young kids that, are injured annually because of a firearm that isn't managed well, that isn't protected, or stolen to the house because it's not protected or whatnot. I think those are uh, important factors there. So I just want to bring yeah. that up. Well, maybe um, our staff person, uh, Ms. Fernandez, can look into that for us and get a status update on where that item is. Any other comments? Any comments from the public, Madam Clerk? Chair, I have no hands raised to make public comments. All right. We are adjourned with 11 minutes to spare. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. I already ate 11 lunch. minutes. <laughs>